0: Hey there. This is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. Thank you for joining us today. You know, it's going to be an exciting opportunity because we're starting a brand new series called Shining Through. So whether you're in person or whether you're watching online, welcome. We're so glad to have you with us. So as you were here on Vision Sunday, we started talking about this amazing entity called the church, right? You guys with me? (laughs) Yes, that's where we started. We talked about the church. And so we pose this very big question. We hope to kind of dig out, to dissect, to peel back. It's like an onion. Peel back the layers. You know, if you watch Shrek, (laughs) Uh, peel back the layers of what the church actually is. And I think it's going to be a great, great series because it actually gives us great insight, knowledge, and information about who we are and who the church is and what the church is and it's going to be amazing now for for the most most of us and i think i'm just going to be honest with you for most of us we are very church illiterate right and what that means is that we have a very rudimentary knowledge of the history the conception the growth and maturation of the church I think we have you know, some cursory facts here and there, but we don't have the entirety of it. You know? We don't have the real details of how the church grew, how the church matured. How did it actually become a global entity? Do you have the details? Most of us probably don't. You know? We're part of this global entity. We're part of this massive movement around the world. And for most of us, we don't even know how that happened. Because remember, it started in a small little city in a, in a part of the middle part of the world, and in a few hundred years it had reached all over the world, which is amazing, right? So, let me start by asking a question today for you to think about. Have you ever been to a place where you've had a great experience? Now, maybe this was a restaurant. Maybe it was a hotel, maybe it was a golf course, whatever it is. You went there, you had an amazing experience, you really felt welcomed, you were embraced, you were welcomed, you were actually thought of as a person rather than just a number you know they maybe they knew you by name or when they discovered your name they approached you the manager came over and you really felt like you were valued that you were important to them they took extra time to treat you right and greet you and say goodbye to you and find out if you're doing okay and and things were going well you ever had one of those experiences yes Yes. no how did that make you feel like eh, i don't care no (laughs) did it make you feel good now, on the flip side of that, have you ever had a bad experience? Yes. I can remember having a great experience, you know, going to a certain restaurant and then and, and treating me right. And, you know, you made time and you said, I'm definitely going to go back there. But on the reverse of that, we've all had bad experiences. Maybe you've been to a place where they just ignored you. They didn't treat you right. Maybe it was because of the color of your skin. Maybe it was because of some other reason. Maybe they were just too busy. Maybe they thought that you're not important. That they could care less. That you're just a number, uh, and another one in the line and, you know, whatever. We don't care about you. We're just here to do our job. And it felt like you were in an inconvenience to them that you disrupted their day when yet you're paying them your hard-earned money because you worked for this money and you've come to this place to spend your money on their product and they acted like they could care less. Yeah. Did you feel like you wanted to go back there? Did you feel like you wanted to come and say, you know what, I've worked a hard week. I just want to go into this place and be mistreated, ignored, and devalued. I've had an experience like that. And I'm sure all of you can identify with this of having a bad experience. And I've decided at that point, I'm never going to go back to that place. And I've actually driven further away to go to a place that I want to than something that's closer that where I've been mistreated or devalued. I think all of us, have had that experience. This is a very human experience, right? Do you want to be treated valuably? Do you want to be appreciated? Do you want to be at a place where you feel like you're welcome, you're valued, and it's important that you are there? Is that something you're interested in? Now think about this for a second. What if you had the opportunity to make an experience for someone else if you were on the other end of it if you could create an environment where other people can come in and feel something important what would you do to make sure that other people feel like this is a place that whatever if you're serving food if you're selling product whatever it may be that you want to appreciate the people that come in what would you do what Things would you put in place? Would you be attentive? Would you say, take extra time to get to know someone? Would you appreciate them? Would you thank them? Would you give them a special little gift and say, we appreciate your business, thank you for being here? What would you do to pass on or let people know that this is an important aspect in your life? If you were the one providing the service, what would you do? What kind of things would you think about? Would you show kindness? Is it great service? Is it value? Is it welcome? Is it loved? Is it appreciated? Well, here's the truth of the matter. Guess what? All of us today can actually define how people experience this entity called the church. It's not just us on the platform. It's not just me on the platform, but it's even you sitting on the seat where you're sitting. All of us get to define what this amazing thing is that's called the church. Because here's the important factor. For the most part, all of us are sometimes looking at it like, well, you know, I don't know what they're going to do. I hope they do something. I hope they can take care of it. I hope they do this, and I hope they do that. We never think of it as us but it's us. Because here's the truth. We're all part of the same entity. You know, the reality is this. When you've gone and had a bad experience at a a certain restaurant, maybe a waiter did something, you walked in, the host was welcoming and say, hey, come on in. It's great to see you. Here's your seat. Let us know if you have any problems, uh, what things are. But then you had this really bad waiter that like dropped water all over you and so you could care less and brought you the wrong meal, and even you said it's not the right meal, they said, well, I don't care. It's a food. It's food. Eat it, <laughs> right? If you had that kind of experience, do you go away and think, well, it was just one guy, or do you think that whole experience was bad? You generally think, most people generally think, well, I had a bad experience at that restaurant. We're not going to define that it was one person, And so in the same sense this morning, and I want you to get this with me because this is really important. In the same sense, all of us together get to define everyone's experience. It doesn't matter if there's great experience over in the cafe, but at the host team, we had a bad experience. That person is going to feel that experience because you define one experience by its whole part. That's how we look at it, you know? And so when someone comes in, And they might get ignored in one fact and welcomed in another they're going to define the whole experience in much the same way it's not very welcoming the tragedy of our modern gathering is that the average what the average person thinks about church is a far cry from what actually took place in the era when the church was born our modern church is not the same picture that jesus actually intended the early church was a glorious messy movement with a focused message and a global mission it wasn't some sort of polished entity it was messy there are people from different backgrounds and different places that came together and their commonality the one that unifying factor was their global mission To touch change and transform the world and a simple fact is that the church is the only thing in the world that is unique and it sets it apart from every other religious movement in the history of the world because the fact is the church was designed and built and governed and given birth to by God see all of us understand what the church is and sometimes we think about church as a building it, it's a construction but that's not the church as we're going to discover the church is beyond just four walls the church is beyond just you know coming to a place or a destination the church is the people that are contained in it that's what is at the heartbeat of god and sometimes we miss that focus and we miss that point because we're focused on other things but the church that jesus started was not about a building, right. even though we need to gather in one, it was beyond that. What started the church, and this is so important, I want you to get this. What started the church was not Jesus' teaching. You might think that's strange. As amazing as His teaching was, it was not His teaching, because there had been great teachers all through the world, before Jesus and even after Jesus. It was not His teaching. It was one particular event, The resurrection that galvanized the first believers into action. It was the resurrection that those first believers had believed in and seen for their, with their own eyes. And it wasn't about some philosophy. It wasn't about just following some great leader. It was this, that they were eyewitnesses to one of the most significant events in the history of the world, the resurrection of Jesus. That's what started The church. That's what gave birth to it. It was this that catapulted a bunch of fearful Jewish men and women to launch into a movement that spanned the globe. It was this event. And then the fact is, it's hard for some people to understand how this actually happened. How did this succeed against all odds? How did this movement? grow into a global entity and reach it just started with a few hundred common people see the birth the survival and the growth of the church is unexplainable and undeniable the reason is some people find it difficult to understand And sometimes they try to offer natural explanations, you know, how this movement survived. But the reality is that when you examine it, all natural explanations fall extremely short. Because from its inception, it faced obstacles. On the day the church arrived, it faced obstacles. As soon as it started, men tried to stamp it out. Kings, generals, conquerors, emperors... Leaders through the world have tried over and over century after century to stamp out, to eradicate, to put a light out of the church. And all they've done is succeeded in making it grow bigger. They have not failed to expand the church. And I want all of you to understand that each of you are part of the most significant ongoing move of God that started 2,000 years ago. It's moving. It has moved, and it's moving now, and you are part of it. The church is not some disconnected series of events that happened here and happened there, and somehow it popped up here and popped up there. No, all of us today are inexplicably connected to this movement. When you read about Paul, when you read about Peter, when you read about Timothy... They're part of the same movement that you and I are. They're part of this. It's not that they were in the past somehow and they're disconnected from us. No, they are part of us. Imagine this. Imagine a rope that goes through time and history that Jesus picked up and then Peter held on to, and then Paul held on to, and as it goes to the years and the centuries, you have Smith Wigglesworth, and you have Billy Graham, and you have all the great leaders that came and hanged on to this rope, and there you and I are holding on to the very same rope, because we're all connected to the birth of the church, all those many years ago in Jerusalem, all of us are connected, and we're still connected, because we are part of the same body that is growing, and expanding, and changing, and transforming the world. We are the global church. And we're all in this together. See, it's important for you to understand this. Just as they held on to the rope and lifted it up and passed it on to a new generation, all of us get to define how the next generation receives and understands what the church is. We pass it on. We pass on that rope. We let other people hold on to it. So we as Present believers get to define the church for a new generation. How they see it, how they view it, how they experience it, how they interact with it is defined by how we look at it and welcome people in. It's amazing. You see, secular historians, sociologists, anthropologists have all tried to explain and say, "How does this succeed? How does this work? They try to think the church survived, you know, through some people and it happened this way and, you know, dedicated men and they try to define onslaught after onslaught. The church suffered through all the years and they try to offer some natural explanation. But the reality is that no natural explanation can explain the survival of the church because it is a supernatural entity. Things just don't add up. It doesn't make sense from a rational perspective. Because when you understand that that something is not natural, when it's supernatural, the extra component component then gives you perspective and understanding to what it becomes and makes it really clear. And I want to show you this. From a purely secular perspective, from a purely rational perspective, the story of the church goes something like this. Think about this and listen to me carefully. It started like this from from just a natural perspective. A small band of Jewish dissidents Mm -hmm. defied a world superpower and a potent religious system that had been in place for a thousand years and by all odds prevailed in the end. At the center of this grassroots movement were people who began to be called people of the way. And their leader was a Jewish carpenter from a one donkey town called Bethlehem. He talks about a kingdom that was beyond this world. He spoke mostly in parables that few understood. He insisted that those who followed him loved their enemies, their Roman persecutors, that they paid their outrageous taxes. He alienated the religious elite, he alienated the rich and powerful, he put them to the side. He offended practically everybody. His family thought he had lost his mind, that he was crazy, and after three years of going around and speaking publicly, he was arrested, publicly, humiliated and executed as a common criminal. Great way to start a movement, right? It makes no sense. How does it survive? How does this succeed? Naturally, it doesn't make sense. But when you add supernatural power, things become clearer. No one understood this. But yet miraculously, even supernaturally, the church survived. And you and I, don't miss this, are part of this supernatural miracle that happens even today. It's the power that God has given the church. See, you, friends, are part of the most glorious entity that exists in this world. It was conceived of, designed, built, empowered, and generated by God. He gives it life. He breathes into it daily. He guides it supernaturally. He lifts up His people powerfully, and He engages with them constantly. And for all of us, we need to understand that we now become the face of the supernatural movement. If God had a KFC, (laughs) you'd be at the counter greeting people that walk in. If God had a supermarket, you'd be the people that check people out because you are His face that interact with everyone who comes in. And how they view The church is not really up to him. It is up to you and me. Because we are his hands and his feet. He empowers us. And we cover that with our face. And we are the face of what the church is. And so, how other people see us, and how other people view us, and how other people have interacted with us, and their negative view or their positive view of the church has not come from God, it has come from people over the years. And so, the church has become misshapen, and distorted, and changed, and transformed because the face of God in the people has become different to what He intended. Do you follow what I'm saying? And so it's important to us to understand, but here's the truth of the matter. From day one, God was interested in bringing people into relationship with him. From day one, it was all about people, not just people from one type of background or one race. It was for everyone. It's for all people. You should be excited about that. Imagine if you went somewhere and you've probably gone somewhere and it said, you know, VIP access only, which meant that you're not very important, go sit over there. Right? Or you went somewhere, you know, sorry, this is for members only, which means you're not a member, so you're not welcome. Or you went to a restaurant, they go, you know, sorry, this is for our reserved special people. There's a seat outside, maybe you want to take that. How does that make you feel? god didn't want that he doesn't want a place exclusive for certain type of people he threw the doors wide open and said it's for everyone i want everyone to come on in and i want to take you back through history to about seven weeks after jesus had been crucified in jerusalem at that time there was rumors and stories going around everywhere this because this criminal had been crucified, that's what they thought. But yet, there had been rumors that somehow he was going to come back alive. And more than that, there was still, and maybe people were making up stories that they had, had encounters with this guy who had been crucified 50 days earlier. People walking down the highways and byways met and had conversation with someone, and suddenly he was revealed to be him. Other people had gathered in rooms, in locked rooms with closed doors and windows. And suddenly he had appeared as if he'd come through the wall and he had a meal with them. And so Jerusalem was beginning to stir with all these rumors of something happening, you know, something that had been prophesied, but no one was sure. No one understood it because no one had seen. The majority of people hadn't seen. Yes, there were a few dissidents. Yes, there's a few, you know, farm workers and a few fishermen that are talking about this here and there. But no one, anyone important had seen anything. In fact, they had gone out and said, you know, there's nothing happening. There's just a criminal. It's just rumors. There's nothing true about that. And a small group of these followers of this Jewish carpenter, about 120 of them, had gathered together in a small house in an upstairs room. And they'd got a message saying, gather here because something amazing is about to happen. And they didn't know what it was. But they said, you know, let's gather together. So these men and the women, they sat together and they prayed and they began to sing songs and they began to talk about, you know, things they had experienced and had all this time. And they were, they were sitting there through the night talking about this. And then at nine o'clock, something started to happen. One of them started to hear something. And he said, listen, and, and then someone else heard it. And then more people became aware of it, and it sounded like there was a hurricane coming. they said, fall on this is this is weird you know they opened up the windows and they looked outside they looked up in the sky, and there was not a cloud in the sky. The wind wasn't blowing, but they kept hearing the sound and it was getting louder and louder and louder the sound of a hurricane coming and their ears would have been telling them something their eyes were not seeing and it would have been confusing at first and maybe they began to panic because i'm like why are we hearing this sound and it sounds like we're going to be blown away And remember they were in upper room it was exposed a little bit more than downstairs and so they slammed the windows shut and they're like well i don't know what we're going to do are we going to leave are we going to stay some of them started praying some of them were panicking and then in the room, something exploded. It was like fire filled the room, and the sound of this hurricane was deafening. And now it's like fire in the room. And then they started speaking. And they started speaking in things that other people in a language that they did not know. Different languages. And I want to show you what happened they started speaking in languages that they had not been taught they had not known they were common folk they were carpenters they were fishermen they were tax collectors they weren't educated they weren't some sort of educated people to know and be learned they probably not traveled outside of israel but what was coming out of them was something that they had not known and so they went outside the room because, you know, after the wind died, there was still nothing outside. It was still bright skies. They went outside and they started talking and giving God praise. They were praising God. And then Jewish people around said, these people must be drunk. It's nine o'clock in the morning, but they must be drunk because they've been drinking all night. Because we don't even understand what they're saying. There's gibberish. But here's the important fact. At that time, it was a time of the Passover. And all Jewish people were celebrating god 's deliverance as a people that He had moved them out of this land of persecution from Egypt, thousands of hundreds and thousands of years, not thousands hundreds of thousands, but hundreds of years ago. And so they were celebrating this, and so the celebration involved people who believed in God came from various people all across the world. they'd all gathered in Jerusalem. Josephus, who was a historian, a Jewish author of antiquities documented that jerusalem was filled with people great multitudes of people were present from different parts of the world jerusalem grew at the time of the passover to five to six sometimes seven times more than the population was it expanded There's people everywhere from all parts of the world and as these people in the house would have thought these people are drunk other people said no 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 i recognize what they're saying because that's my language That's what I speak. And I've come from various parts. I've come from Athens. I've come from Rome. I've come from Syria. But I understand what they're saying. How can they say, how can they speak this? Aren't these people Galileans? Now Luke, who was a physician, he was a doctor, not prone to, you know, various sort of embellishments. As doctors, they're very clinical, very precise. They document facts. Luke, who's the author, writes this down. This is what Luke tells us. He says in Acts 2:25, and he says, "Now they were staying in Jerusalem, god freeing Jews from every nation under heaven." He's not exaggerating. he's not being hyperbolic. He's actually factually documenting what's happening, just as Josephus, a non-believer and Jewish historian, did at the same time. And he says, "There's people from every nation here. And you see it this heart of this brand new movement on day one god was speaking to nations he was speaking to every single person in their native language in their native tongue to communicate that he is interested in them as individuals and uniqueness and they were shocked because here's some Obscure language that is spoken in a little tribe in the middle of nowhere, and they'd come to Jerusalem and they heard them speaking in their tongue, in their language. But these are just common folk. Luke further describes this in in verse 6 and 11. He says this, and listen, lean into this because this is amazing. When they heard the sound, speaking about the people that are gathered in the upper room, a crowd came together and bewildered because each one heard their own language being spoken utterly amazed they asked aren't all these who speaking Galileans how did they know our language like aren't they just from Galilee and how is that each of us hears them in our native language now Luke goes further than that because he documents some of the places they came from he says this Parthians, Medes Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, which means the broad region, different languages and ethnic diversity, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, which again is a broad spake of different people and different languages, Pyagra, Pamilia, I can't even say some of the names, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Jerusalem, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. How is this possible? How is this possible that native Galileans, who had no ability to learn different languages, were speaking in so many different languages that all these people had come from all parts of the world that had gathered for this event, the Passover in Jerusalem, heard God about God. They were preaching about the amazing power of God in their own language. They couldn't understand this. It was a miracle. It was a supernatural miracle. But for us to understand, it was God opening up the doors, throwing open the doors and saying, my church is not just exclusive for a certain type of people. It is for everyone, everywhere. How is this possible? Peter stands up. You know, Peter, he stands up. He has this great opportunity. He stands up and he starts presenting Jesus. See, this great movement that was happening, this whirlwind that was surrounding them, not physically at that moment, but all of this thing that was happening supernaturally, the center of all of that was Jesus. Because he is the center of the church. He is the unique personality and power that is at the center of the church. And without him, it would not have been possible. So about 3,000 different people from all across the world followed jesus that day and then when they went back to their various places in their different countries they started to talk about who jesus was and the roman authorities tried to stamp it out and other people tried to stamp it out but every time they try to stamp it out it's like hitting on something they just spread wider you know they try to stamp it out here they went further away they try to stamp it out there they spread across this way they could not stamp out the church but don't miss this that on day one god throws open the doors for every nation for every type of person people from all across the world from its inception there was no longer something exclusive about this movement it was for everyone Now, this might have been a radical idea for even those at the time. They might have thought, wow, this is really amazing because aren't these people Jewish? Because their whole thing was about exclusivity. Because we have our God, we have our religion, and you're not allowed. The only way that you could become part of this Jewish thing is if you were born into it and you were then considered Jewish. You could be a Jewish convert, but you would still be a God-fearer and not a Jewish person. You couldn't go into the temple if you were not a Jewish person. You'd have to stay on the outside. Even if you believed in God, the God of the Jews, you were still not allowed inside the temple because you were not, just not born a Jew. You weren't allowed because it's an exclusive club that only if you're born into were you allowed to participate. They wouldn't even walk on certain land because it was unclean. They wouldn't deal with certain things because it was unclean. They wouldn't even talk to certain type of people because they looked down on them. But here's this amazing movement coming out of the birth of this most powerful religious system, exclusive, powerful, potent religious system that is being eroded from the inside out. At the very heart of the jewish religion the temple in jerusalem came this radical new movement that said it's for everyone the jews were highly offended when paul tried to somewhere where they later became to convert it they got so mad at him they wanted to kill him because he had defected to the other side the reality is that it wasn't a new concept It wasn't something new that suddenly came to birth on the day of Pentecost. God had told them hundreds of years ago, in fact, to this ancient Hebrew prophet, some of you understand when you look in the Jewish scriptures, his name is Isaiah. And he had prophesied in Isaiah 56 verse 7, the latter part of the verse, he says this, For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. It wasn't new. But somehow along the way, it had been distorted and became exclusive, but God had to remind them because it's a place for all people, all of us. And this was so radical for them because they, have to, they had this mentality of it being exclusive. It was them and the rest of the world. No one else was allowed. Yet hundreds of years before that, God had said that this is what was going to happen, and they didn't Get it this was the day Isaiah was talking about this glorious day this amazing day had arrived because it was part of God's plan and I don't want you to miss this because that part that started there continues on through history till today and it's going to continue on further than us but we get to define how we pass this on right and so, what you and I decide is who we are going to be. What we are going to be. Are we going to be people that try to maintain a polished outlook that it becomes exclusive for certain people that act this way and behave this way? Or are we going to be what Jesus intended the church to be? Doors thrown wide open, arms wide, to welcome anyone and everyone in. Right? And so when you look at this, all you get is this amazing experience and power of what happens when people move into God's vision and plan for the planet. You have this exponential explosion of faith and growth across the world. And we are part of this so we can't disconnect ourselves from this event because we're just as important to god because he sees it in the same vein it's just a continuation it's not disconnected then and we are separate now we are still the same entity that's continuing to just flourish and grow as god waters and empowers the church we're the same thing so ask yourself this question Are you speaking the language of God's welcome? Or are you like those religious people looking down on people based on what they are, where they came from, what they had in their past? Is our language the language that God uses to speak to every nation, to every person, to every single type of person and say, welcome home? Or is our language the language of exclusivity? Do we speak Christianese that when new people come and they don't understand what we're talking about and we pride ourselves, you know, I know God, so you know I'm going to talk in this Christianese that other people don't even understand and feel like they're separated somehow because what you're saying, they don't even comprehend because you want it to feel like, you know, I'm part of it, but we're not, we want to be part of it, but in the same moment we want to embrace, we're pushing someone else away. Just in the language that we speak and the attitudes that we have, in the welcome that we embrace, are we the true church? Are we ignoring on one hand and trying to embrace on the other side? Are we saying welcome, but our language is not welcoming? Are we saying we want to see you here, but we're not speaking to them in the way that they can understand? Because God spoke to them in their own language. He could have not. He could have just said, you know what? i'm speaking through jewish people and so you better learn to communicate with me he didn't do that he went to them and spoke to them in their language so they could understand and that he could welcome them back home understand that you are here because you're already part of his church it's not something that's going to happen it's already happened and you're part of it what you display now is a representative of who he is. Let's get it right. Let's do what he asked us to do. So are you coming to a meeting place or are you coming to a welcoming place? All of us get to define because all of us are part of it. Not just some of us, all of us, every single one of you. So if you're not welcoming, that represents all of us. If you're not embracing, that represents all of us. Remember at the start I said, if you went to a restaurant and you had one waiter that treated you badly, you looked at the whole restaurant in one vein? It's the same thing. If someone walks in and one of us is mistreating, one of us is judging, one of us is not welcoming, that represents all of us. Because we are one body. That's what he says. We're the body the same body that Paul was part of, the same body that Peter was part of, the same body that existed then, it comes from Jesus and it flows through time and history to today and it passes on. We're all part of this body. We're going to leave it here now and we're going to pick this up next week as we continue to dive a bit deeper into Shining Through. But I want to leave you with a couple of questions and I want you to ask yourself this question because this is super important for where we're going. And it's important because we're in the series called Shining Through. We have to shine through. We have to shine the glory of God just on the day of Pentecost. We have to give God praise and talk about who He is. But we also have to welcome everyone else in. So question number one, I want you to think about this individually and then corporately as a church. Are we meeting or are we moving right are we just coming to a meeting place are you here just to you know come here because that's what you do on a sunday or are you moving in god's plan is it just something that is routine because you know this is what we do on a sunday and you know i've been a christ follower or i'm a christian and so therefore i have to do this because it's just part of my routine because I have to feel like I'm a good person or I feel like I'm doing something, I'm, I'm following along because I'm coming here every Sunday? Or are we moving in the direction and the plan that God asks? Think about this for yourself and then transpose it a little bit further into the church. So as a church, are we just meeting? Or are we moving in the direction? Are we flowing with God's purpose? Are we... Doing what he asks us to do? Are we embracing the way he asks us to embrace? Are we defining the church in the way that he wants us to? Or have we put on a mask? You know, at Halloween time, or oh, it's probably not getting more popular here, but people like to dress up or, you know, play cosplay. They like to put on a mask. That mask we put on sometimes is the definition of the church. And we put a mask on who Jesus is, in a sense, because what he's saying and what we're presenting are two different things. So are we presenting a massed view of God to the world or are we actually presenting who Jesus is? Think about that. Are we meeting or are we moving? Are you meeting? Is it something that's routine or are you moving? Are you embracing his, purp- his purpose and his vision? And number two, again for yourself and for us as together, are you making a difference in your community or you're simply attending a service? Again, are you making a difference in your community? Whether it's, you know, that mother you meet when you take your kid to soccer practice. Or whether it's a coffee catch-up with someone else that doesn't think like you, or, or believe like you, or act like you. Do you feel like, you know, I pity them, and, but you're not going to communicate that? you're making a difference in the people that you connect with in your world the reason god put you in your circumstances because you get to interact with people that i don't and you get you can't interact with the people that i do all of us have unique connections in our community across the world across our city and sometimes even, as I said, it might be across the world, but all of us have unique connections that we can replicate. I can't step into your house. And even if I go to your house, I'm still not going to have the same connections you have with your community. So are you making a difference in your community or are you simply attending a service? Is this something you just come to? It's a service. Let's talk about service. you know. That? And as we talk about that on Sunday too, let's have a great service. I hope you enjoy the service. But the service is an expression of who God is. It's like, a, it's like a petrol station. You go there, you fill up your car, and then that gives you the ability to travel around. So the service is your power station to power you up to do what he's asked you to do. It's not who goes to a petrol station to fill up that car and goes, okay, I'm done. I'm just going to leave my car here and take the bus. You don't do that. We don't disconnect that. We, it's a whole process. We go there because we want to travel further. You go to the petrol station because you're running low on petrol so you can go the place you want to to treat what you need to do, do your activities. That's why you go. You don't disconnect the two. You don't go, well, I need petrol in my car, but I'm going to take the bus now because I don't know how this works. I go there, fill up, but uh, do I drive now or do, what do I do now? don't do that because you understand there's a fluidity there's a connection there's a there's a process you go through and it's the same thing here are you making a difference in your community or are you just attending a service and you check in at work and you check out and you're done we need to be a church that is welcoming everyone and that church is not a building it is a people so wherever you are, you're the church. In your house, at your meeting, at your cafe catch-up, at your coach session, at your work session, at your school session, at your university class, you're the church. That's who God wants. And there's the privilege of Melbourne where you have so many people from different ethnicities and backgrounds. It's like the day of Pentecost. This is amazing because you can speak now and you can... You can come up here, and I don't know many languages, but I can guarantee you that there'll at least be 20 different languages that people can come up here and speak, and other people can understand them. It's like the day of Pentecost, which is amazing. Amen? Amen. All right. Take those questions away this week. Think about them. And next week, we're going to explore a little bit deeper. Because as we peel back this onion, it's amazing to see what Jesus actually said, and where we are, and how we need to follow along, and lean into what Jesus really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.